God is good, isn't he? Usually Cindy's up here. Uh, she's fighting a cough and bronchitis or whatever they told her it was. And so uh, I'm pinch hitting this evening. And welcome. We're glad you're here. If you have your Bible, if you turn to Mark, the second chapter, I didn't give them any notes up there. I didn't give them anything. So we're on our own tonight. How many knows we're living in desperate times? Uh, over the last few uh, weeks and months, uh, Cindy has been talking a lot about prayer, about the moving of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit. And uh, my prayer is that God would activate the Spirit of God within all of us, that we would recognize the signs of the times, and that we would begin to move out and to do what God is calling us to do. I believe there's a great harvest field out there. I was teasing somebody. I said, I think somebody's taunting me. And uh, this was laying up here. I said, well, they're taunting me to go ahead and speak that third part, but Casey's not here, so I can't do that without her at this point from all the details. So, uh, But I want to talk about desperate times and desperate men, desperate people today. We're living in a time that people are desperate. They're searching for answers. They're searching for solutions. They're wanting something that will bring them hope, that will bring them peace, that really will bring them security. I don't know about your emails right now, but my emails are blowing up about all kinds of securities, investments they want you to invest in, or something they want you to buy that's going to bring you that, that peace of mind. Most of that's insurance, <laughs> and uh, I don't know who got me turned on to that one, but thank you. Uh, if you did, because it's a nuisance, uh, because you get, I told Cindy, I was clearing junk mail out of my regular mail last night, just kept going, kept going. She said, what are you, what are you clearing off? I said, it's all junk mail. Don't worry. It's all junk mail. And that's what today is. We got a lot of junk mail, but I believe the church is the answer for desperate times. I believe God wants to move and minister through every one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he is setting us up for maybe one of the greatest harvest times and greatest harvest fields there has ever been in the history of the church. And I know we can go back in Acts and we can read about those times and uh, when the, the speaker had spoken and there was 3,000 brought into the kingdom of God and other times there were thousands that were brought into the kingdom of God. I would love for the day that in America we would see a great returning to the house of God and when men and women got up and spoke the word that thousands would come and respond and hear the word of God. And I believe God by his power and his spirit can do that. And we've got to be in tune and ready for what God is wanting to do. So in Mark 2, it just starts out here in verse 1, and it says this. Again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. How many would like to hear again that Jesus is in the house? That's who it's referring to. He is in the house, and I believe he is tonight. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. He, and he preached the word to them, and they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so they were, had broken through and let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, and he said, them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to this paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out of the presence of them all. And so they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Wow. I'm not going to assume everybody knows this story. I'm finding out that some stories people don't know. Or maybe they're newer to Christianity and they don't know. But this is one of the greatest miracles ever recorded, I believe, in the Word of God. And it's a miracle on both halves of it. We know God can perform miracles and Jesus could perform miracles. Maybe the other miracle was the idea that four guys got together and cared enough to get the guy there. Now think about that for just a minute. Let it soak in. We're living in desperate times and we're living in a time that people need Christ and people need the Lord and people need a solution to their situations in this world in the day that we're living. And so that's what I want to talk about for a little bit. When, when I'm starting this, uh, the, the first thing that I just want to even talk about is it said there when it was noised, that he or Jesus was in the house. Many gathered together straightway or immediately. Now, isn't it ironic in a day where there was no uh, signage, in a day when there was no uh, uh, marketing, in a day when there was no PA systems or no comfortable pews or seats, in a day when there wasn't the, the luxuries of air conditioning or the things that we have today, in the time of Jesus, when we all really wanted to live then because we could have served him better, Anytime they noised that Jesus was in the house, it filled up immediately. Anywhere he went because of the signs and the wonders, the miracles that were taking place and it was being noised abroad that what was going on, when they heard about Jesus, they would come and they would gather in the house. Now it's ironic, you can have something going on with God right in your own church and people just don't come. Now, thank God for you that are here tonight. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's got to be really something supernatural or it's got to be some kind of personality or it's got to be something that will really gather a crowd in the day that we live. But when Jesus is in the house, something is going to happen. Let's keep that in mind. When Jesus is in our midst, when the Spirit of God is moving in our midst, something is going to happen. Regardless if we jump on board or whether we sit there, God is going to move and God is going to minister and God is going to touch. And people, if they come expecting, will leave change by the power of God. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen it too much. I've lived it too much. I've seen just a handful where God come in and just touched hearts and lives and people left changed by the power and the spirit of God and their life is still changed today. God is moving. God is moving in desperate times.
Whenever I begin to think about this, we can have all kinds of programs. We can have activities. We can have all kinds of things to try to attract people, but it's not going to keep people. It's not going to change people for the most part. What's going to change people is when they encounter the very presence and touch and power of Jesus Christ in their life. When he begins to move and he begins to minister and they open up themselves and they see that God is real. I think more than anything in the day of desperation we're living in right now is people want to know what is real. What is real? That's what people are asking. Show me somebody real. Show me something real. Let me know what real really is because everything in our society now is such a camouflage of truth and such a camouflage of reality. That, that we don't even know what real truth is anymore. So let's, let's, let me assure you today that Jesus Christ is here this evening. I believe that. We've been praying throughout the day and asking God just to move, to minister. He knows what every one of us have need of every, even before we ask it. He knew who would be here this evening. There may be some even walk in later. I don't know what God's going to do, but what I do know, you may have come in here burdened down and overwhelmed and life might not be treating you fair right now. You might be going through one of the hardest times that you've ever walked through or maybe you're maybe you're got everything going your way. And if you do that is wonderful. But there might be some that is, that is holding a burden tonight, that something's going on. They may have got news about something. Something might have happened at home. We don't always know what's going on, but what I can assure you of, God does. And he knows just what you need as you let him touch you tonight, as he, as he ministers and he moves in this place. You see, if, if we're going to talk about getting a crowd, we've got to let people know Jesus is still moving today that he is still ministering today. Isn't it ironic? Now, uh, I, I have been told, I, I don't have this as fact at this point. I'm going to try to gather that. But I have been told that the revival that started at Asbury College is already over, that they shut it down because it began to be a disturbance to the town. Too many people begin to hear, can I just say it this way? It was actually a, a reflection here. Too many people begin to hear that Jesus was in that chapel, that something was going on, that college kids were praying and worshiping God and things were taking place. And, and, and I said from the very beginning, and I'm still not judging any of it, but I said from the very beginning, instead of judging it or talking about it or, or whatever, we need to be praying that God would pour himself out on that campus and we need to pray for the leadership that they would know what to do when it come to trying to handle it or, or guide it or direct it. And somebody higher up than, than me, apparently, they decided that they were going to shut it down because it was too much of a disturbance for the town. In fact, people that had went there, one that I know personally, they had finally put signs at the edge of the town that unless you live there, you couldn't go there. Now, that's God showing that he is God in my opinion. When you hear about the revivals and the meetings that have taken place just, just the other week, they, or the other day, I guess, they rented out the OU football stadium. I don't know if you heard anything about that. You're not going to see it on the big news, I can tell you that for the most part. 84,000 people 
poured into that stadium. They had to have tickets to get in. The tickets were free. But what did they do in that stadium as they got there? It was 84,000 people is what they said they were going to hold. They came to pray and to seek God and to worship God. They had no real agenda other than ones leading it, but their whole agenda was to just seek God on behalf of America, on behalf of Oklahoma, on behalf of this generation, and let God have his way. I haven't heard any reports from that. I'm hoping to get some. But all of the ones they were interviewing going in, they were all excited ex with an expectation, saying this is what we need in this generation. This is what my generation needs. And it was younger people, college-age people that was in the streets going that way and they were simply saying this is what we are looking for oh if we could just get Jesus back in the house and let word get out that he is here that he is moving that he is having his way that he is touching hearts and lives you see when Jesus is in the house desperate people are going to begin to show up when Jesus is moving and when he is ministering when he is healing when he is touching when needs are being met when things are going on people are going to begin to show up because they've tried other things they've searched out other things and it has come up empty or failed them. But how many knows that Jesus never fails? He never fails. He never comes up short. And so there they are. They're looking for answers. They're looking. Desperate times demands unity. It's not a time that we could just simply be petty over little things, but it's a time that we come together and believe God for his word. Believe God that he is God. Believe that, that he is still moving and he is ministering because unity commands the blessing according to the word of God. But here we see a story about four men, that they have a friend that's a paralytic. And, and as, as this man can't walk, they know Jesus is in that house. They know the answer is there for him. And so the Bible says that they go and they gather this guy up. I don't know who led the charge. I don't know who got the idea together. But what it shows is they cared about somebody that was needing a touch from the Lord. They cared about somebody, a friend, somebody that they knew that couldn't get there on their own, but they could get him there if they work together. And it says they went and they got a cot. Well, the cot's explained a little better. It's a sheet. I don't know if they tied knots in the corners of the sheet and they grabbed a hold of it. Before guys got a sheet, they put the guy on the sheet. They call it a cot or a sheet. And they begin to carry him to the house where Jesus is. They took the time to go out of their way. They probably could have ran and been one of the ones there. They knew he was there. They could have gotten there where they could have got in. But the Bible says they carried him. They worked together. They finally got there. And the crowd was so big they couldn't get him in. And so what did they do? It was by their faith of knowing Jesus was in that house I don't know how they did it. The, the Bible doesn't give us the, all the details. It's just enough to make our imagination go crazy. But they climb up on the roof and they're carrying this guy. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they got him to the roof. We'd have to have OSHA and a scaffold and we'd have to have a lift that he wouldn't fall off and we could strap him in and maybe we could do that if we was creative enough to do that. 
But they grabbed a hold of him and somehow they got him up there. And the Bible says that in the midst of Jesus down in the, in the floor, they're teaching the people that were there. They begin to tear the roof off. Desperate times demands desperate measures. And so they begin to tear that roof off. And I don't, I don't know how that really went. It doesn't describe the type of roof it is. I'm assuming it's maybe a thatch roof or maybe a, a, just a mud roof with some kind of stuff under it. But as they tore it off, I imagine some of it fell down into the midst. And some of it began to sprinkle down in. Hopefully not a big piece fell in and, and down in the middle of anything. But there they are, and Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, they begin to lower this guy down into the middle. And you know what he said? Jesus looked at those four men's faith. I don't know if you caught that. He didn't look at the man on the cot's faith, but he said, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Because of their faith... They had faith enough to know Jesus was in the house and they cared enough to get somebody there in a desperate time. They wanted his need met. They believed God could do it. So they got him right there in the very midst of it. Do we really believe God can minister today? That God is the answer for the people today, the people that are searching and looking and, and wondering for our kids, for our, our family, for people we work with, those that are around us. Do we really believe or, or have we got the mindset it, it just is what it is? If they've walked away, they're just going to keep walking or is Jesus still their answer? I believe we've got to have a revival of understanding who he is in our hearts and our lives that we need an awakening in the church, that he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. What he did back then, he can still do today. It may be a little different. It may be a little bit of a different way to do it. We worship different than what they did back then, but he is still the same God, and he is still able to meet the needs of desperate people. We need to revive our faith and know that he is God. These guys, they let him down in there. Jesus says, because of their faith. And he looks at the guy, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now they're skeptics. It, it just doesn't matter in this day and age, whatever you're doing, whatever you're involved in, there's always an armchair quarterback. It just doesn't matter. It goes from everything from preaching to sports to mowing your yard the correct way to weed eating right to trimming something it doesn't matter whatever you do somebody else is always going to speculate they could do that better or tell you how to do it better and all of those things and it's okay that's gonna, probably going to be with us from now on but here's the thing the skeptics were over there and they're thinking blasphemy who is this master who is this teacher that says he can forgive sin. Nobody can forgive sin except God alone. And Jesus knew what they were saying. Can I let you in on a little secret while we're sitting right here? He knows what you're thinking. <laughs> Uh-oh. Let's change that thought. No, I'm just, you got to have a little fun. He knows what we're all thinking. He knows the secrets of your heart. 
He knows, he knows what you've went through today. I've said this earlier. He knows how burdened down or how lighthearted you are tonight. And, and, and he wants to meet you at your point of need. He already knows where you're at. The one thing about God is you can't fool him. You just can't fool him. You can fool yourself trying to fool him, but you can't fool him. And so him knowing the thoughts of their heart, him knowing what they're saying inside of themselves, he finally looks at them and he says, so that you might know that the Son of Man does have the power to forgive sin, and which is going to be easier to say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. He looks at the guy and he says, go ahead and take up your bed and walk. And the guy picks up his bed and he walks out. I don't know if that excites you or not. It excites me. Because that's the God we're serving today. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You say, Pastor, but it's been this way so long. It's been this way so long. Trust God that change is on its way. Build your faith up. Read faith chapters. Read faith verses. Build up your most holy faith in the Word of God and understand that that, God is, or that Word is living and it's breathing. It's alive. It's there for us today. And when the enemy tries to come in, the Word of God says that the Spirit of God will raise a standard against him. And if you have that Word in you, when the, when the enemy tries to discourage you, the Word will come alive and defeat the work of the enemy. And we're living in a time that people need to see the God you're serving and we're serving alive in you. Alive in you. I was thinking today as, as I was in my office studying and, and uh, getting ready for tonight, uh, we just, in the men's group, we just came through this book. It was called Seven Relationships Every Man Needs in His Life. And, and it, it's really a, a good book. And um, we got to the chapter, it's near the end of the book, and, and it, it says it's, every man needs somebody that, that they can witness to, that they can, they can encourage, they can mentor, that they can, they can bring up in this thing called Christianity. And, and we were kind of going around the table talking, and, and we do the group a little different. Uh, we try to get it real interactive, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And, uh, but when we started talking about this particular chapter and about how we need to be witnessing in this day and age, we need to be telling others about the Lord, we need to be encouraging people and, and all of that, all of a sudden, in the midst of all that good, it began to shift a little bit. And guys would say, and they're just being honest, I'm not picking on anybody. We've all had those thoughts, encounters, and, and things. But guys would say, you know, but, but it's so hard to witness to my family. Now, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll even shut my eyes and take these off so I can't see. How many's ever thought that or, or said it? I'm, I'm not going to look. I'm not, I'm not looking for that. I just don't want you to get too hard on them quick. Because probably all of us have said that at some point in our life. I don't want to make them mad, so I'm not going to say no more. You know, the, every time I bring up something, that's the first thing. Well, you're just the preacher. You know, I, I, I've lived that, you know. So you kind of come to that place you don't know. And we got to talking about things like that. And it, it had just been a few weeks before that. 
that Cindy and I had visited a church in Oklahoma. We had been out there with her dad, and, and uh, the pastor's wife had spoke, and she made a comment that I had never heard. It, it's, it's, a, it's part of an interview, uh, and I had never heard it, but, but something just went through me when I did hear it. And so I had looked it up the day of our Bible study and our book study. I had looked it up to verify what she had said in, her, in preaching, and everything she said was true. And, and so I ran off just that part of the interview, and, and I, I leave it on my desk so I can glance at it and read it just about once or twice a week at least. And, and it just so penetrated me that I thought, I have to go get that and read this to these men. Because so many times we do, and I'm not picking on the men, so many times we do make excuse. We say, it's not my personality. It's too hard. People get offended today. How many know political correctness is getting tiring? Can I just say it that way? I'm not going to say too hard about it, but it's just getting tiring that everything has to be politically correct to align up with everything but the word. I want to get back to the word. I want the correctness to be what does the word say? What does God's word say? But here, here is what I'm getting at. So many times there are people in desperation out here and we're so afraid we're going to offend somebody. We're so afraid we might drop that guy on the way and then he's going to be mad. We're so afraid that, that we're going to do something wrong that we never attempt to do what's right. And hell has frozen us. In some, in some areas. And my prayer tonight is that we will abandon all that thought and we'll become desperate for a, a world that needs Jesus. That our faith will be built up enough. But here, here's what this was said. I don't know how many know this uh, gentleman as far as knowing who he is. Uh, he's an atheist magician. And, and his name is Penn. Penn and Teller, do you know, have you ever heard of that on TV? They're very famous. They're out in Las Vegas. They're, they're considered one of the top uh, magicians in all of the world. And uh, the one show they have on is they invite other magicians that have come in. They sit there and they do a trick they're supposedly not ever seen done and they figure out how they did it and they tell them how they did it without ever seeing them perform before. It, it's It's different. But here's what he said to a gentleman that was trying to convince him. He is a known atheist, one of the top known atheists in all the world. And here's what he told about this in an interview. And this is what he said. A guy come and tried to present Christ to him. He wasn't, he wasn't negative to him. In fact, he was very inviting uh, for Penn to sit and talk to. He makes that very clear in the whole interview. But the guy comes and he's trying to present conversion to him and Christ to him. And all of a sudden, and here's what he says. And he's talking uh, to the Christians, okay? Christians in general. Here's what he says. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and you think it is not worth telling someone about it, how much do you have to hate him not to proselytize him? Now think about that. I'd never heard anybody approach this this way. He says to believe that everlasting life is possible and not to tell people 
this man cared enough about me to proselytize. In other words, to try to win him to Christ, to win him over. But when he said, how much do you have to hate somebody if you truly believe, if, you, if you're truly saying, I'm a Christian, and there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, how much do you have to hate somebody not to try to win them to Christ? And this is coming from an atheist. And I thought, dear God, what a wake-up call to the church. What a wake-up call to us, to me. What a wake-up call. Because so many times in our generation we say, we don't want to ruffle the feathers. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't, want to, we don't want to go out of our way sometimes. Sometimes we don't want people upset with us at work or our family upset with us at home or our kids upset with us. And, and all of those things that go along with that of telling others about the Lord. But if what we believe is true, then we need to be telling others. We need to be throwing out the lifeline. I was teasing Tim we was going to sing Throw Out the Lifeline tonight. I know some of you don't even know what that song is. It's okay. But where are we at in the church today? Desperate times call for desperate measures. These men went the, these men went the extra mile. They did what most people would have not done. They went out of their way. They got their friend. When they couldn't get in the building, they took him on the roof. They lowered him down. But that man left well and made whole. Who do we know that we could go out of our way? Or maybe it's really not even going out of our way. But we could tell them about Jesus. We could go out and get them and bring them in and let God do the work that is needed to be done in this day and age.